0: Online, Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead This is Real Ghost Stories Online
1: And welcome to Real Ghost Stories from Real People It's Halloween 2014 And our edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a home remodel uncovers a dark secret, yet answers a mystery. What would your house say if these walls could talk? We'll learn about the details of what death row and execution are really like from a former correctional officer, and is the execution chamber haunted? We'll also hear family stories of a family that moves into a quaint three-story farmhouse. But why are there no stairs to the third floor? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again for another episode of our program. Hello. Hello. And, uh, and welcome to Halloween.
2: <laughs> is it bad that that's my favorite day of the year? No,
1: this is the whole reason we're doing the damn show. <laughs> I know. It's the whole reason the show exists. I know. Um, which is it's funny because it, I got to give a shout out to some of the folks who've actually been listening to the show theoretically much longer than it has existed in its current form. I mean, I get emails sometimes from folks who's like, I've been listening to your ghost stories since 2009 or something of that nature.
2: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: because I've been putting them out there Mm -hmm. on YouTube when I was in, in regular radio. Every year I would do ghost stories on the air and take those ghost stories, and then put them into a, essentially a condensed version, um, which would be about a half-hour episode, and then put it out there on YouTube on the, the channel I was utilizing as, as the food channel. And uh, that was the ghost story show. It was just kind of a once a year thing. It was fun to do. And uh, what, uh, what that eventually evolved into was this show, obviously. So uh, it's just, it's interesting, the evolution of the show and, and how long it kind of has been going on, but obviously in its current form, it's only been about a year or so. But, sure. But really, I've been doing the, the ghost thing once a year, but that was the inspiration for what this, this show is. So there are uh, episodes called Real Ghost Stories uh, from Real People that date back prior to the show that do exist on our channel. Okay. So if you want to dig back even further than the beginning of the show, uh you can find those on youtube, and it's it's more more real ghost stories from real people, and that's what I just called the show as real ghost stories from real people so today's episode again on Halloween, I always call it the same thing: real ghost stories from real people twenty fourteen okay. and that is what this show <laughs> is
2: and I'm gonna confess that when you would do the Halloween episode mm-hmm. on on air for the radio station, I never tuned you in. You
1: never tuned in once,
2: no because I knew it would freak me out. <laughs>
1: You see, it was always my favorite episode, my favorite day of the year to do radio. Sure. Because the rest of the year, you just kind of, do oh, what is this is, here's some country music. And uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything I ever wanted to talk about, you know, except for Halloween. I could get away with talking about what I wanted to talk about so I could do the show I wanted to do. So it was always like, this is my favorite episode. So this is actually the first year I'm doing a show exclusively uh, to the podcast where uh-huh. it it's not on the air going out to terrestrial radio so uh it's kind of interesting it's exciting um we we do the show every day so it's it's I can't say super unique to my world anymore because we do this on a <laughs> daily basis, but um, it's a change in my life. But anyhow, welcome to uh, Real Ghost Stories Online, or real ghost stories from real people. We got lots of calls for you tonight, uh, stories, uh, all sorts of stuff. And by the way, this is a show that we do every single day. If you couldn't gather that from what we were just talking about, it goes well beyond Halloween, all throughout the year. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, whatever, and you'll get. The latest episode sent to you on a pretty much daily basis. It's a five day a week show. And then on the weekends, we give out a bonus episode to our EPPs as our extra podcast people. These are the folks that support our show and give us a little bit of love financially. Five bucks a month uh, or you can do 60 bucks a year, which equates to five bucks a month. Um, and that helps us stay alive and stay afloat and keep the show going. So if you enjoy the show, please consider uh, contributing and helping keep the show alive. To get the show kicked off uh, today, Rails ghost stories from real people. Uh, let's uh, kick it off with a letter before we go to our calls from 855-853-4802. And uh, this uh, comes into us from a person named Little Lewis. So here we go. I was about uh, 40 years ago my grandfather bought a big beautiful two-story house in mexico my grandfather owns a couple of seafood businesses and had become wealthy he decided to buy two houses when he divorced my grandmother one house for him and his new wife and one for his daughters which are my mom and my aunts by the time they were in their 20s they had the house for themselves and they would often play with a ouija board before i was born Next door, there was an old wooden house where a lady that was known to be involved with witchcraft was living. She used to sell candy to the kids in the neighborhood. But behind closed doors, people said she wasn't nice at all. Anyway, when my mom was living in that big house, she'd often see a ghostly spirit of a woman dressed in a long white dress, sitting or walking down the stairs. Then my aunt saw her. Later on, guests that came over would often be scared away by her figure If they'd spent the night there, as my mom and my aunts grew older, they slowly started moving out one by one, and the place was abandoned for about two years. After that, my uncle moved into the house. But this time, he had his wife and child with him. They occupied the bottom floor only. The rooms on the second floor were actually still abandoned, filled with dust and old pictures of people we didn't even know. But we never threw them away or took them down. His son always liked to go play on the top floor by himself. He was three at the time. He said that he had a friend up there named Mari. My uncle didn't really mind because his son wasn't scared. To him, seeing the ghost became a normal thing, but not to my aunt. No, sir. One night after they had a serious argument about all the stuff happening around the house, my uncle was angry with my aunt. She decided that he was not sleeping in their bedroom at night. She sent him to the guest room, which was the closest room to the stairway. That same night, my uncle began seeing that ghostly human figure in a beautiful dress again. My uncle paid no attention and continued to try to ignore her and fall asleep. But this time was different. A loud, painful, crying voice was shouting from the stairs. My uncle didn't look. He ran into my aunt's room and took her outside. They both heard it and knew what it was. A week later, my aunt's mother suggested that they should call a priest to cleanse the house from all evil spirits. The day the priest arrived, he walked straight to the stairway and said, It is here. Evil is all around us. After a few prayers he left, nothing changed. In fact, things only got worse. It got to the point that people in our own family were scared to go visit them. Years later, my uncle planted a lemon tree. ...and an orange tree outside. He made the garage and driveway about twice as big. He also decided to add two more rooms to the house. On the bottom floor, one connecting the guest room. He called the, he called the construction crew for a job. After only two days of the job, they started tearing some of the floor and walls down. After tearing down one of the walls... There she was. A decomposed body of a woman trapped between the walls. The cops were called to the scene immediately. They closed down the house for two weeks and held it as a crime scene. They even tore up a couple more walls in search of more bodies, but nothing was found. My uncle's wife was so traumatized by this event that she eventually left my uncle and started going mad. Many years later, my uncle still lives in the house, and my older brother does too. It turned out that, that some of the pictures of Mari were upstairs, too. Her real name was Mar She was not the owner nor lived in the house. No one knows how her body or pictures got there, since the last owners had passed away a long time ago when I was 16. I went to go visit my brother and my uncle, and everything looked the same upstairs creepy, old, dusty pictures, and some of the old stuff. My mom and her sisters had in their younger days like clothes, books, and letters. I remember the red lipstick, lip marks on one of the old mirrors. I always wondered who put it there. Was it my mom or was it Maury? The house still stands to this day. My uncle and my older brother still live there. The ghost of Marstall does too. Thank you. I really enjoy your show, and I always listen to your ghost stories at nighttime. It's nice to hear other people's experiences and point of view on things. You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing more amazing stories. I'll make sure to tell friends and coworkers to subscribe. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah?
2: So that has to be like my biggest fear when it comes to a haunting is finding a body in the house somewhere.
1: Yeah, you take the body out, you know, you bury it, bless it, put it in the garden, make some nice fertilizer for the spring crops. That's all you gotta do. It's like, what is was it, Funny Farm? Was that where they...
2: Funny Farm. The body yeah. was in the garden. uh uh-huh.
1: Yep. It was in a casket, at least, right?
2: A uh, kind of pine box. Pine yeah. Pine box. Pine I box. it eventually decay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um... How uh, I would love to see the results of that police investigation, but again, it was probably, like they said, it was one of those things that were so long ago. And if she wasn't reported missing, you know, I'm guessing, and this is just my random assumption, I'm guessing Mari didn't have a whole lot of friends or family yeah, that were there to report her missing. Because otherwise, I think it would come up, even if it was 20, 30 years prior, like, oh, we found the body of the missing girl. Right. But if no one's there to say, oh, this girl's missing, you know.
2: It's a cold case that nobody knows about.
1: Exactly. And there's a lot of those out there. There's a lot of cases where people just didn't have anybody around. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh. And even the folks who did know her, which I'm assuming probably the family did know about her. You know, I mean, it could be something as sinister as a murder something of that nature. Um, Or it could be something as innocent as... We thought she left. We thought she just picked up and moved away one day. And, you know, some of those older houses, you can get behind walls in certain ways for cleaning and things of that nature. There are ways to access, depending on the architecture of the home. Okay. But in some older homes, there's ways of getting back behind walls a lot more readily than they are in modern homes. Okay. So it could be one of those things where somebody got back there, passed out, had an aneurysm, There's a myriad of things that could have happened. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, and and then they just thought, oh, maybe Mari just decided to pick up and leave.
2: I know. I mean,
1: you'd think the smell would eventually tell somebody something, but there's a lot of dumb people out there, too, we are like, oh, there's smells in here, and eventually it would die down, Um, because essentially it would all just kind of crisp up, but uh, that would take a while. Right. So, I don't know. I'm going to probably lean towards something a little more sinister.
2: Yeah, that's where my mind went with it.
1: But there are stranger possibilities where it's just, well, what the hell? (laughs) You know? Very, very interesting story. I can't imagine finding someone dead within our walls. No. It's a story when we found rat food behind one of the walls. Well,
2: actually, the hamster found it. The hamster
1: found it and uh, slowly died shortly thereafter. It's like, why was there rat food in the middle of the wall? Yeah, there you go. Well, apparently when they were building, they had mice or something. Right. I don't know. Anyhow, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online and share your real ghost stories with us. We do this show all year long. This is not just a Halloween thing, so please... Press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes of the show. Let's go to a caller. Hi.
3: Hey, guys. This is uh, Sean from Lake Wells, Florida, a uh, first-time caller. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of stories, but just one that really stands out. Um, growing up, we lived in this house that the property had a really interesting history to it, one being that there were three bodies buried on the property, Actually a fourth because underneath the my grandmother's house was a Baker buried underneath the house with a possibility of someone buried inside of it, which we weren't going to try to find out. But there was always something going on at this property. It, strange lights, sounds, but one thing that always stood out was my sister had this one friend that would usually stay the night on the weekends a lot of times. Now, normally we would deal with bumps, bangs, things move. It's this normal growing up. But whenever this one friend would stay over, she would always sleep in the living room. Well, one night, uh, after her and my sister had a little argument, she was asleep. And then all of a sudden, she wakes us all up screaming. And we're like, what, what, what? she goes the heater was shaking now this being an older house it had a gas heater so my dad looks at it there's nothing wrong and usually pick a little temperature change and there's an air bubble in the line yeah it was gonna shake so they asked "Well, Sean you know Sean sleep in the living room with her so just in case you know so I'm asleep in the living room with her then all of a sudden I get woken up she's freaking out and I'm watching this heater violently shaking back and forth. I mean, to the point where it's like going like 45 degree angles, both sides, uh, back and forth shaking. And it freaked me out, freaked her out even more. Um, I got my dad and said, yeah, it was shaking. We checked everything the next morning. No damage to the pipes or anything. It's just that you could actually see in the floor where this thing was actually shaking back and forth. Um, another quick story, uh, me and my ex-wife lived in the house for a little while, and one Valentine's Day, I bought her roses. The entity did not like my ex-wife, because anything I would buy her, it would destroy. But these roses I bought her, we woke up the next morning, and the, the roses themselves were ripped off. the petals around the vase and it looked like they were burned um so that's just two little interesting stories uh growing up at my house and thank you
2: i think the scariest part to me would be the fact that the roses were burnt so something was burning while you were asleep.
1: Yeah, I'd be more afraid of like that starting the house on fire than <laughs> yeah. anything of of what uh, what are the repercussions going to be of the burning of the roses. Wow. And why did they hate the, uh, he said, what, fiance at the time? No, the ex, his ex-wife. Ex, oh, ex-wife. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so. his
2: wife at the time.
1: So you guys broke up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Did that reason have anything to do with anything weird or paranormal? Or were the ghosts trying to tell you something? That's what right I'm wondering. Oh. 855-853-4802. That's a phone number to call in here to Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us.
4: Hi, Tony. This is uh, theologist calling from Houston, and I wanted to share my ghost story. I've been uh, thinking about calling for a few months, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I grew up in a haunted house, like many of our uh, listeners in our community. And um, the creepiest thing that ever happened uh, was at one point uh, when I was a teenager, um, my brother-in-law, what I thought was my brother-in-law, rang the doorbell. I went and opened the door, door, and he walked in, didn't make any eye contact, was just kind of looking down. And I said, OK, I was, it was kind of weirded out for it. But I figured that maybe it was that he was looking for uh, one of my nieces and nephew's um, toys or maybe a shoe that they had left. And that's why he was looking at the floor. So I was like, OK, so I'm just going to let him be. He didn't say anything. So I thought he, maybe he was having a bad day. So I just went back in my room. And later that evening, my mom asked me, um, you know, who was that? And I told her, you know, it was, you know, it was my brother-in-law, and she said, "What did he want?" And I was like, "I don't know." He was just kind of looking around, looking at the floor. He didn't say much. So, my dad ended up calling my sister and asking her why why was uh, Justin at our house? What happened? Did he need help? And she was kind of freaked out. She was like, "No, Justin is." He was at work the whole day. There's really no explanation. Um, I live in Houston, Texas, and he would work in uh, these refineries in Pasadena, Texas, which is a good 40-minute drive back and forth. And she said, no, he's been at work the whole day. She even called him, and she didn't call him directly at his number. She called him at his work number, and he did answer the phone. So he definitely was at work. Um, so we don't know who it was that actually was ringing our doorbell and that showed up at our house i know i've heard the topic of a doppelbanger doppel dagger or whatever y'all call it um but yeah that was pretty weird um well um follow up on that story um currently the house that i live in is also my parents house that we're buying but my sisters both of my sisters used to live there too because it was a duplex and um, the, um shortly after the incident where i saw um this person that looked like my brother-in-law you know things went south for my sister and him um and they ended up uh well they were in the process of getting a divorce and it got really bad because there was a lot of drug abuse and a lot of um physical abuse towards my sister as well so she did decide that she was going to go ahead and leave him and the day that he actually had uh, served he was served with his divorce papers he kind of went A little crazy. He came to my sister's house, where I live currently. That's the house that we're buying from my parents. And um, and my brother was there, and he um, was abusive towards my sister. He physically abused her in that incident, and also attempted to attack my brother. My brother's a really small, sweet guy, Um, short. Just to make the story shorter, uh, my brother ended up shooting my brother-in-law and that's what happened so i'm not sure that had something to do with it because it was very uh, shortly afterwards but they started having a lot of uh, marital problems and he visited like a 180 so i'm not sure maybe it has something to do with it maybe it doesn't who knows um i know my sister-in-law when um i would say probably about two years ago she saw an uh, image of my mom when the same sister was actually graduating, uh, the one that was going through a divorce, she had actually graduated from nursing school. So everybody was getting ready, we're gonna go to a ceremony, and my brother was still at my mom's house, he went to go pick up something, I'm not sure if it was like a camera or something, it was like last minute, so he had to go pick it up. And uh, my sister-in-law actually said that she saw my mom dressed like in a nightgown, and she was like yelling or trying to get her attention. And she couldn't hear her, but she saw her from inside the car, the and she was moving her hands. And um, when my brother finally got back in the car, he was rushing her. She was like, "Well, I don't know why you're rushing me because your mom's still here. She's not even ready." And it turns out that my mom was already at the location where they were going to have my sister's graduation. Um, my mom, since then, was very sick. She's her health has declined. So I'm not sure again if that has anything to do with it, um, but it's. Definitely, uh, I thought, you know, what what exactly is that a link between seeing these uh, spirits or these entities that, re- that resemble someone that you lo- that you love, a loved one, and then some things are happening. So, I don't know. I want to just get your input on it. Um, I'll be calling back later on to give you the rest of my stories. Thank you, Tony and Jenny, for all you do. I love this show. I've been listening since it first started last year. And I used to get excited every month when Tony would post up a new video. So I'm glad that I get to hear it at least almost every day. So keep up the good work. um, And I love you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. Do you think it was like a premonition of some sort? Or not necessarily a premonition, but like a warning sign? That that he showed up at their house or do you think he was she said drugs were involved do you think he was just really bath salted up and really did show up at their house and everyone thought he was at work
2: no I don't think he really showed up no I mean, no because if if he was you know I think he wouldn't have been quiet and acting that way
1: uh, drugs can do that to some people
2: okay well I, I don't, don't
0: know, know.
1: I, I don't know
2: I would doubt that he really showed up if it's that long of a drive and his wife at the time had called and he was at work, like, at his desk phone. Mm-hmm. I doubt it.
1: So what do you think was going on then?
2: Doppelganger.
1: With a with a message? With a mission to warn them?
2: I don't think to warn them. I just think it was a strange occurrence.
1: That, I wonder if he had, do you think he was in control of this Torment to the people. You think he was aware that there was a doppelganger of him out doing something, or in control of it? I want to know what happened when he got shot. Did he die?
2: I don't know. That
1: kind of didn't get resolved. No. In the story.
2: No, it didn't. Did it? No. We have to know.
1: Yeah. So I wonder what uh, what the result was of that. I don't know. It just it sounds like there's something dark, troubling that family. Yeah. So I don't know what it, you know, if it's around the sister, if it's around the caller, if it's just around the family as a whole.
2: Well, it doesn't, we don't know if it's an ongoing thing or if it was just in that time. And if there's a lot of abuse going on. Sure. There's not a lot of happiness going on at the same time. Sure.
1: I just, I, I say that because there was more things she said that happened afterwards where there was other occurrences that weren't necessarily related, but just sure. odd. I don't know. So, I don't know. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another letter. Uh, Anonymous former correctional officer writes in, Hi, Tony. I've heard a lot of creepy shows about prisons, in particular death row prisons, but I've never heard one from someone who had first-hand knowledge of the execution process. This is in part because officers are prohibited by policy from giving public statements ...about their experiences while they are employed by the Department of Corrections. Let me start off by saying that all states are different and have different procedures... ...but I'd like to share my experience of the execution process in the state of Tennessee. These days, prior to an inmate's scheduled execution date... ...they are removed from their normal cell and put into an area called Death Watch. Death Watch is a small row of cells separate from the main body of the prison near the execution chamber... While there, they're monitored 24-7 by an officer who has a direct line of communication to the warden. This is done for several reasons, mainly to make sure the inmate does not attempt suicide. It's a job of the department to ensure the inmate is executed according to the laws of the state and that they do not die in any other way before their sentence is carried out. After all, the governor may give a stay of execution at the last moment. Secondly, it is to allow the inmate to make requests directly to the warden. This is also where the uh, condemned can order their last meal. Last meals can be anything within reason, but there is a $40 limit to the price of the meal. I've always wondered that. Really? I always thought, okay, I would do like beluga caviar and like a boat of it, you know, and just like (laughs) bankrupt the state in one, but okay, $40 limit, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get like a bucket of chicken for that, so good luck. Typically, inmates order comfort food like McDonald's or other fast food. It's rarely anything elaborate. The execution chamber is a small room, very drab, about 12 by 12 with tile floors. Housed inside are the electric chair and the medical gurney used for lethal injection. The electric chair is made out of wood, bolted to the floor, complete with leather restraints. There's a microphone attached to the ceiling so the inmate can give a last statement to the media. The seat of the chair is plexiglass with holes drilled in it and a bedpan below. I'll leave to your imagination as to why this feature is present. What people don't see is that there's a capsule of smelling salts taped to the back of the chair in case the inmate faints. By law, the condemned must be conscious to be executed. Adjacent to the death chamber are two viewing rooms with mirror-tinted windows, one for the victim's family and the other for the inmate's family. To the side of the death chamber is another small room that houses a control panel that operates the electric chair. It's just where the warden stands to give the condemned to begin the execution, or the command to begin the execution. Typically, this is not an audible command like they always have in the movies. Usually, the warden will give a hand motion to signal to the, execu- the executioner to begin the execution. Normally, this will be something such as touching his glasses or folding his hands. Another fact that not many people know is that the electric chair is run by a generator. This is because the electric companies have a policy against their clients using their electricity for the purpose of causing death. One thing I've never heard mentioned is the sound the chair makes when it's turned on. In the movies, it usually sounds like a loud buzzing, but in real life, the closest thing I can relate it to is the sound of a soda vending machine, kind of a low, mechanical, wavering tone. The only other thing in the death chamber is a phone on the wall that the governor can call to give an emergency stay of execution. On one occasion during an execution, this phone rang. However, there was nothing but dead air when it was answered. No one was able to determine who it was that called that day. And to my knowledge, there's never been an emergency stay of execution once that process has started in the state of Tennessee. After the process is over, the executioner determines that the condemned is expired and the viewers are escorted out of the prison. At that point, the expired inmates are transported out to the back of the prison until their final arrangements are made. Never heard of the death chamber being haunted. However, it is very eerie. Death Watch is said to be haunted, and they say that if you go there alone, the toilets in their cells flush on their own and the lights flicker. Both Death Watch and the Death Chamber are normally locked, and even officers don't have access to it, except by authorization by the shift commander. The feelings one gets upon entering Death Watch and the Death Chamber is that the atmosphere is very heavy and somber. It takes a while to shake the feeling after you leave. I no longer work for the Department of Corrections and have moved to dispatching for 911. All the same, I'd like to remain anonymous. So I hope you find this first hand experience useful for your show. Take care. Keep up the great work.
2: The extent of my knowledge on the subject was what I saw in the Green Mile.
1: <laughs> so, a Hollywood version of it?
2: Yeah, very much so. Yeah.
1: Be interesting to hear from some folks who maybe work in the uh, facilities. They can remain anonymous to tell us a little more details on some of those haunting situations of the toilets flushing, and which makes sense if someone's sent to death there. And if, if you're relegated to having your spirit within the general area of where you passed away, you'd probably be sitting in the same cells that you were in in life. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I would think so. Very interesting. And I wonder what that phone call was.
2: Yeah, what are the odds that that particular line would ring at that time?
1: Not so good, because I'm sure that's a fairly private line Mm -hmm. where it may not even be, like, dialable by regular phones. It, like, may just be a direct line from governor's office to the phone. Right. So if we're to ring when they're about to do an execution, I wonder what happened then. I wonder if they did stop and try to contact the governor to see if there was some sort of error with the phone just in case.
2: I would imagine that they probably did just to make sure.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Put yourself in the shoes of the person being executed for one second. Phone rings. You're sitting there. Oh my god, I'm so wrong number.
2: Well, but it sounds like telemarketer. It sounds like the execution <laughs> was already in process when the phone rang.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, let's assume you're still somewhat conscious and the phone's ringing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's done. I'm going to live. Oh, no. Sorry. They just want to know who you're going to vote for. I just <laughs> think all.
2: the the idea of the smelling salts, I never would have thought about that, that they mandate that that person have to be conscious. It's
1: interesting conscious. that they want to keep the people alive. You know, I would you know, just to, to alleviate, and this is going to sound completely morbid and horrible, but to alleviate the misery that the others have to go through that have to perform the execution, because it's it's not like a pleasant job, regardless yeah. of who you're killing. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of super satisfaction going on there, other than this is kind of a grim task to be performing. Well, sure. Um, that, and, you know, uh, the, the people who are there viewing and this and that, just alleviate everybody of it, and... I would say, put ropes in that cell, put knives in that cell, give them every opportunity to off themselves before the state has to do it.
2: But these are professional criminals. You give them the right tools and they're going to hurt somebody else, even from behind bars. Yeah, cars. you got
1: a point. You're right. You're right. I, I know exactly. I, I, I agree. But you hear what I'm saying, though, too?
2: Yeah, I do.
1: Or it's like, just let them do it themselves. And then no one else has to deal with their bullshit of yeah. going through the process. If they just did it themselves, you know, but then I there's the argument, too, of what if they are innocent and they're just utterly depressed and they're just going to off themselves and then the state of execution comes and they shouldn't have even had to kill themselves to begin with. Right. There's a lot of variables there. I just
2: I just think if you pass out in the process, they're going to stop to wake you up to make sure you're awake.
1: It just seems really I mean, it seems inhumane, but usually anyone who's on death row I kind of don't give a shit.
2: <laughs> I know. I just never would have ever thought about no, that.
1: I didn't realize they went to those lengths Yeah. to keep them awake and conscious. Yeah. You know, it almost sounds a little archaic. You know, it sounds like old, old and old and olden days.
2: Well, the use of the electric chair is old and old and olden days. But they
1: still do it in some places. Yeah. I know.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot... There's a lot more options. <laughs> Stoning. <that>. No. Uh, <laughs> Lions. You know, lethal injection. I, yeah. I don't know. There's some states I think that can, or maybe one state that I believe hanging is still allowed. They still do that? I believe so, but well, They've been having sure. issues
1: with the lethal injections just last year. Have you heard some of those stories where they mm-hmm. they're not working correctly and, yeah. and they won't disclose where they're getting the drugs from or why they're not working? It's like, okay. Can we not? Screw up this process. I mean, this has got to be fairly straightforward. I mean... Right. Although you have to wonder, though, too, what's the people's tolerance to drugs? You know, I mean, number one, what's the drugs that are being used? And could it be, in some cases, that the folks who are on death row have such a high tolerance to drugs in general or or something that maybe a cousin of whatever the hell is being used that maybe the, what would be lethal dose to most people... Is still keeping them alive. Sure. You know, it, it's like the, the Michael Jackson case at the end with the Prophetol, where he was taking it to like sleep at night, and eventually it did kill him, obviously. But they were saying that the amounts that he was taking when he was living and taking on a fairly regular basis would have been more than enough to kill almost anyone on yeah. a regular basis, but because the tolerance was so high, kept was kept alive. Uh-huh. so until it eventually caught up I don't know that's just my bizarre theory <laughs> so going on to more ghost stories 855-853-4802 is our number hi
5: hey guys this is L from Indiana uh, the story I've got for you it takes place when I was 9 or 10 years old and basically what had happened was I got home from school and my mom told me she was going to go out in the barn and do some work and I was to go inside and do my homework and I said well okay I didn't really want to, you know, being little. And I get into the house, and it was probably 3.30. And I thought, well, she'll be in the barn for a little bit. I can probably play Nintendo for a little bit. And she won't even know. So I got the plane, and I was sitting on the end of my bed. And it was about an hour had gone by. And out of nowhere, my TV shuts off by itself. And I thought, oh, crap, mom's home, and she has one of those remotes that turns off the TV. She would do that from time to time, turn it off from a different room just to mess with us. But I thought, oh, the crap. She came in and I didn't hear her. So I turned off on Nintendo and I thought, man, and I stepped, I, uh, stepped out into the uh, hallway there and there was a little boy in the hallway, like facing the wall. And I thought, whoa, it kind of spooked me, really. And I said, uh, hey, because I didn't know if it was one of my sister's friends because she was about the same age I was. And the little boy turned around and it looked like a pilgrim kid, like he had the buckle shoes and the weird pants and like the whole get up. I thought, I thought to myself, I'm like, what the heck is this kid wearing? And he said, hey, who are you? I said, it doesn't matter, who are you? And he said, you were supposed to do your homework when you got home. I said, yeah. He said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been playing. And he said, well, your mother instructed you to do your homework. And he kind of took a step towards me, and I thought, what is this kid going to do? And he kept walking towards me, and I kind of backed up, and he put his hand on my forehead. And right when his hand touched my forehead, it was like I blinked, and I was back in my bedroom. And I was sitting there, and the Nintendo was on, the TV was on, and I thought, what just happened? So I turned everything off, and I stepped back out into the hallway to find my mom coming towards my room. And she was upset because I I wasn't doing my homework, you know? She said, hey, I told you to do your homework, now get out and go do your homework. I said, okay. I said, hey, does Katie have any friends over? She said, no, why? I told her what had happened, and she claims it was my imagination, but I know what I saw. So I don't know if a ghost can pop me back in time a couple seconds or what, but something strange definitely happened. So thanks a lot for letting me call you guys. So you guys have a great day. Bye.
1: What do you make of that?
2: A little pilgrim boy that understands that he wasn't supposed to be playing Nintendo. I think that's very interesting that, you know...
1: And then he's popped back there playing Nintendo... Yeah. ...by a few seconds. I guess... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I could go with carbon monoxide on that one a little bit. You know, where you pass yeah. out for a second and you have this... You know, Do you ever have that where you're falling asleep and you vividly suddenly feel like you're doing something else somewhat wakingly but not not in a dream state like I'll dream uh, I'll suddenly fall asleep in bed and I'm halfway awake halfway asleep and I think I'm actually getting up to go to the kitchen and all of a sudden bam I'm back in bed. Yeah. And I realized I was just dreaming that I was walking to the kitchen. Not a vivid I mean it was, it was vivid but not like any sort of odd dream of any sort. It was just normal mundane life type things um, but then suddenly pop I'm back there. But he was wide awake, though. Right. So, I suppose... I mean, theoretically, that would be the logical explanation. It would be some sort of a, a gas in the house that made him hallucinate and pass out for a second or two and then pop back. Um, you know, the paranormal explanation, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you got some sort of entity that did some sort of mind trick on you.
2: Yeah, I to send them back to...
1: And like, why is the ghost concerned with doing your homework? <laughs> yeah, maybe the mom's into voodoo. And, and I no, don't know.
2: I don't know. It's interesting. I just I'm surprised that if he was dressed from like the pilgrim times, that he had any clue. That you know, for all he could have known, the kid was doing his homework, and that's how they do their homework now.
1: That's a something that's watching. I mean, I don't know if it's somebody's watching over him. I'm sure he'll be aware if the homework's not being done. Maybe it really was having good intent. What, yeah. w- what what gets me more than anything is the popping back to doing the video games, right? Not the, and then he disappeared, and then I continued walking down the stairs. The change in time is what's most troubling to me, right? That's that's very bizarre. is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your Real Ghost Story with us. If you enjoy the show, we do it for you year-round here at Real Ghost Stories Online, a five-day a week show. A bonus six episode of the week is sent out to our EPPs, our extra podcast people. If you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. It's five bucks a month, or you can subscribe for a full year at a time. It's up to you however you'd like to do it. And you get a bonus episode of the show emailed directly to you every single week. And you get access to our archive of other bonus episodes that only EPPs get. So if you're looking for a whole bunch of spooky stories this weekend, uh, become an EPP before we send out our uh, bonus episode uh, tomorrow on Saturday. So you get all those bonus episodes to enjoy all Halloween weekend long. Another letter says "Hi there, I just like to say that your podcast gets me through the long, lonely shifts at night as I clean all sorts of spooky doctor surgeries and such, and a huge hello from England. apologize like a lot of people do if my letter seems a bit long, but it is a tale best told in one sitting. I must have been about eight or nine at the time. We always seem to be running from trouble, moving from house to house, trying to hide out the further away from civil from civilization the better. My parents happened to stumble upon an old farmhouse that seemed to sort of be deserted for a couple years or so. Nothing that screamed American Horror Stories murder house or anything, but more of a charming farmhouse in the country. Looks can be extremely deceiving. I remember the day we went to go and look around the house. It was just me, my parents, and my two older brothers. We came to realize that there was salt in each corner of the room in every room. We later realized this was a ritual to keep out evil or negative spirits. Without trying to put two and two together, we just didn't think any more of it. Let me give you a quick guided tour before I get into anything else. The house was three stories, surrounded by old abandoned barns and stables. You'd walk into a huge kitchen, and to not bore you, it was a pretty standard layout, really. Big grand staircase would take you up to the second floor. The strangest thing was that there was no stairs leading to the third floor. I don't really know why we never really tried to figure out why the top floor was closed off, but seeing... At the time, the less attention, the better. We thought we would just ignore it, as living space was more than adequate. Between me and my parents' room was a hollow wall, like plasterboard, I'm guessing, but before I get carried away, back to where I was. I seemed the longer we lived there, the more we added to the strange events together and grew in knowledge about the house, the more intense things would get. I really remember it starting while I was lying in bed on my own, drawing Pokemon and just being a kid. I'd hear whispers in my ears of names right in my ear like a gruff grumble accompanied with a warm breath that hit my neck. This happened a handful of times. I'm not sure if I actually made things worse by going and telling my parents and saying the names out loud, but I was a lad and I did not understand. I started to get night terrors. Not nightmares, but the most sickening and damn right scary dreams, if you want to call them that, you could imagine. I find myself running around my house. The featureless man was charging after me. I remember the wind hitting my face. It felt so real. It was terrifying. I tried to scream and shout for help, but was physically not able to. This is one of the scariest things. Weeks went by, night terror after night terror. My dad, being from the southern states in America, had that man-up-son attitude. But a week or two went by, and we all walked down the stairs as a family to get ready for the day and went into the living room. This is no exaggeration. The color of the room was white and was now a solid black-blue color through the amount uh, of blood blue bottles, you guys might call them fruit flies or something that were covering every single bit of surface in the room we had chimney sweeps, pest control and about 30 pounds worth of fly spray that that they wouldn't budge until one day they just finally disappeared like I said it just kept getting worse one night I woke up to a massive crash in my parents room my mom woke up to a shadow leaning over her right in her face she screamed which woke my dad up he dove across my mom to punch it and went straight through it now when two people are saying they saw it sure enough to swing a punch at it there's no making it up my dad began to have rages where he would be violent to me and my brothers he was an angry man but never like that random rages came out of nowhere which would leave us scared and confused. Maybe whatever it was in that house took advantage of his already angry temperament. One day, while out in the garden looking up on a summer's day, we noticed that even when the sun shielded or shined in the third floor, it was pitch black. My dad, having enough of the mystery behind the hollow wall, broke through it with an axe to find a staircase behind it. "'We stood anxiously at the foot of the stairs while my dad went to investigate. "'He came back, pale as a sheet, with a pure and raw fear on his face. "'He packed the car with our stuff, moved us to our grandparents' house. "'That night he sat us down and told us what he saw up there. "'Rows of meat hooks hanging from the ceiling, "'with bloodstains soaked into the wooden floor. "'The farm didn't have a slaughterhouse.' And a whole floor dedicated to hanging animal meat is ridiculous. Even back then, animals would go to another place to be slaughtered. And you would have kept meat in the giant pantry in the kitchen. My dad went back the night to collect the last bits we had remembered. We moved a lot, so we traveled light. While he was there, for some strange reason that was beyond me, he screamed at whatever was in the house, "'Come on, motherfucker! Give me all you got!' Life took a long downward spiral with my parents getting a divorce. My dad attempted suicide and has a deep depression. Though being strong and being there for him and my mom, both my parents are now fine. But whatever had a hold of both of them wouldn't just let go with a few simple words. Took a strong will and a good heart. The house is in a village called Swinthorpe and has now been converted into a 650 million pound house with all three floors. Thanks, I've got plenty more where that came from, as I used to clean for a business that used to be in an asylum for the criminally insane. Hope I didn't bore you guys. Cheers, Jake.
2: There's no reason for meat hooks on the third floor.
1: Oh, come on. You don't know what's in our attic. I've never told you that.
2: There's no reason anybody would carry something up three flights of stairs. You just brush
1: that away, didn't yep. you? Yep.
2: And, and slaughter it on the top floor of a house.
1: No, there is no reason, unless you're murdering the villagers. Yeah. And trying to hide them in your hidden upstairs rooms. It's
2: Terminus, is what it is.
1: It is Terminus. Yeah. It's the original Terminus. I don't... I mean... I, I'm I'm glad they got the hell out of there. I'm wondering what the hell happened with the real estate agent who had to go back through the house and try to sell it and use that as a selling point and how that was listed.
2: Look at all its extra space and natural light.
1: Yeah, great for the hobbyist. Yeah, for the meat enthusiast.
2: The bonus room. <laughs> well,
1: that's disturbing as hell. Uh, thank you for the call or thank you for the letter. That that really, wow i I mean there's nothing good that was coming out of that story I mean there's there's nothing logical that could be explained. Somebody was doing some pretty dark shit up there.
2: Jake was also the one that gave us the letter I think we read last week about him and his father cleaning in the ins- insane asylum okay and something okay. briefly possessed him.
1: Oh, I remember that story yeah, sure, sure okay well, that was disturbing as hell. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> we love your stories. He's got two in a row that have been pretty damn good then. Uh-huh. Wow, that's good. 855-853-4802 is our number. Hi.
6: Hi, guys. Um, I'm new to your show. I'm new to viewing your sh- uh, listening to your show, and I'm very pleased, very, very pleased. Um, I look forward to, um, you know, hearing more stories from you guys, especially, you know, right before bed. <laughs> Just, to, you know, to give that spooky feeling, you know, before I go to bed. I've always enjoyed stories of ghosts and things like that um well the story i'm about to tell you tonight um it doesn't involve me it was actually told to me by one of my friends and he told me that one of his teachers told him this story and um she says it's very true um that her friend um who's who the story is about um as you know is still affected by it so um here it goes so Um, um, uh, Her friend was uh, into collecting antiques and things like that. And this one particular time, she purchased a satanic Bible from what I believe was a a flea market. And so she takes the the Bible home, lays it down on her dining room table, walks away. Um, She comes back to it back to the dining room and looks on the table and the Bible is open and uh, she you know immediately wrote it off as like oh maybe I did it by accident and didn't really think anything of it so she closes it and um, she goes to shower so she comes down from showering and goes into the dining room and looks on the table again the Bible is open and so she's like um hmm, that's you know that's weird so she closes it and steps away and then comes back to it, and then this time the Bible is open again, only this time it's uh, it has uh, specks of blood on it. And she gets really nervous, so uh, she closes it, and then um, all of a sudden the lights started to flicker red, and she just put two and two together like, okay, this definitely has to be, you know, this Bible thing. So she um, attempts to throw the Bible, Away, throw it, throw it outside, and then shortly after that, she hears a knock at the door. She opens the door. The Bible is right on her doorstep. So she's like, "Okay, this is it. This is this is it." So she takes the Bible, gets in her car, goes to like a wooded area, and throws the Bible away. And um, as she comes home, um, she's walking towards her door, and lying on her step were dead rats, and. Pretty much that's where the story ends but um i can definitely say that this story hearing this story at 12 years old you know it 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 definitely shaped my way of thinking especially about like you know um the unknown you know, supernatural and, and paranormal stuff it, it definitely shaped um you know my my views on it um it definitely piqued my interest because i've always Been interested in ghost stories and things like that my very first book I bought was by Alvin Swartz called scary stories to tell in the dark and I've read that book over and over again so I've always had that 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 passion and that that liking for you know ghost stories and things like that but this story definitely because up until that point I hadn't heard any real life anything that dealt with you know ghosts or things like that I you know I was really captivated by that and i just from that moment on i just that's all i thought about and i just wanted to learn more and more about you know things like that so um i hope you guys enjoyed the story and um, um i'm very glad that i uh found you guys' a show so you know it's definitely going to be my new thing to listen to okay hope things go well and keep up the good work guys and um I hope to hear this on uh your show all right good night
1: Thanks for the call. Sometimes when, when paranormal things happen to, to someone close to you, it makes it much more real and, and well beyond just the pages in a book.
2: So, if you're out in the woods and you come across a satanic Bible...
1: No, no it was at a flea market.
2: No, but she left it in the woods.
1: Oh, okay.
2: okay. Leave it there. And don't touch it.
1: Because it was originally from a flea market and right. it didn't work out for too well. I... I've never seen one of those at a flea market Although there's some weird shit at flea markets
2: there are
1: I don't really yes. dig a whole lot at flea market. I mean I I, I, shouldn't, I dig flea markets but I don't dig around at flea markets like yeah. I just kind of browse and like very quickly nah, 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 nah. oh look a Nintendo nah, 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 nah. an Atari nah, nah, nah. oh look an old Walgreens sign and, and just kind of keep going It's more so like a carnival for me, where I'm just seeing things that are neat. (laughs) You know, it's like an ADD experience, where it's just, oh, you know, you just keep going and seeing things from your past, and then, okay. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things I've ever seen at the flea market, which I kind of wish I would have bought, but I didn't, was that old Pizza Hut uh, man.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: There was an original sign from one of the first Pizza Huts in the country. And it, it was, it was a, they had a, uh, kind of like the Little Caesars mascot, but Pizza Hut had a mascot far before that. And it was just this kind of pizza man. Uh-huh. And with a pizza, I think like on a stick or something. And they, this used to be part of the sign. And I remember those signs on this. I remember that, that very sign on the Pizza Hut in my hometown, um, where that was on the side of the building when I was a kid, um. That was like the most interesting thing i ever found at the flea market. I can't think I, I found anything really super spooky. I mean, old furniture and I don't like old cribs. Cribs kind of freak me out. But
2: The old baby carriages freak me out a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of them are probably honestly just really connected with happy memories.
2: Yeah, but they just look so creepy. They, uh, they look like yeah. from Ghostbusters 2, it's going to roll right in the middle of the street.
1: Yeah, they really do. I really do. But, uh, you know, honestly, again, I, probably depending on how far back they are, you know, sure. when the infant mortality rate wasn't all so good. There, there probably is some sadness connected with some of those.
2: Yeah.
1: They're sitting there at the flea markets. 855-853-4802. I bought a great mirror for you for Christmas so that I got at the flea market. It's yeah. beautiful. You're going to love it.
0: Not yeah. happening.
1: 855-853-4802. Hi.
0: Hi, uh, my name is Erwin. I'm calling from Honolulu, Hawaii, um, first time caller. And I've been listening to your podcast for about a month and a half now. And I'm trying to catch up on your current, uh, podcast episode. Um, I have a lot of stories over my uh, through, through my life. Uh, but, um, I have a story actually, uh, this is emotional. Uh, this is about my grandmother on my father's side. Um, I would say, um, in June 4th, 2009, my uh, grandmother passed away. Uh, two weeks after we had her service, um, on the 21st, but, uh, on the 19th, uh, we had her viewing, um, that Friday afternoon. Um, my cousin had a great idea of, um, you know, sleeping, uh, with a casket in the back of my, uh uncle's house um you know it's kind of small space, I would say about seven ten feet uh with space you know, so you know he had a he had a wall and ten and everything, so you know everybody uh twenty plus cousins um you know slept um right next to her casket uh eventually, uh apparently you know I couldn't join in cause there wasn't you know enough space um uh oh it was okay because you know i live right next to next to my uncle's house so it was kind of okay so um after her burial that sunday afternoon um that week um my boss uh you know working as a security for eight years my boss um gave me a good news that my uh request you know for the friday and saturday schedule you know i got it so um that coming friday Normally, you know, I just wake up, you know, even without the alarm clock, wake up 4.30 and get ready for work. By the time I got to the shower, I remember that um, I was off. So instead of going to the shower, just went back to bed. Same thing, same thing that Saturday morning, um, I woke up a little bit early, I would say about 3.45 in the morning. And, um, you know, I you know, instead of going back to bed, you know, I just went to uh, to the living room flash kitchen. You know, as I turned on the light, um, I noticed a shadow, you know, right where the couch is, right next to the, you know, large window. And I noticed a shadow, you know, just by the wall and window, uh, you know, sh- small shoulders, neck, head, and, you know, uh, her hair. You know, um, it's just a shadow, it's not a full body apparition. Um, so, um, I went outside just to make sure that nobody's, you know, standing, you know, outside of the house. Um, it's very bright because we're, you know, um, right next to uh, a gas station. So even though I turn on all the lights, you know, um, the lights from the gas station still, you know, illuminates the house. So. By the time, you know, I got back inside, um, I really wanted to take a picture. So I went like three to five times back and forth to my room. You know, I took a risk because I was kind of afraid that it was gonna, um, you know, go away. So I went back, you know, three to five times in my room. I couldn't find my cell phone. I looked on the side corner of my bed, closet, nothing. And um, when I went back to the um, living room, the shadow was still there. So, um, I look for the to see, you know, if I can record it through video. And, uh, at the same thing, same thing, I couldn't find a camcorder. So I finally gave up, you know, I sat next to the, um, I sat next to, uh, to the couch, uh, we had a recliner. So I just sat down and between, um, four 15 to six o'clock in the morning, I basically just, uh, you know, sat next. Next to her and just reminisce, you know, uh, old memories. You know, when I was a kid visiting her at my uncle's place, you know, helping her with the chores and you know, helping her with the dishes. And I think, um, you know, uh, for me, like I think she visited me last because apparently I couldn't join with my uh, cousin on that on that Friday when everybody was sleeping, you know, right next to the casket and. You know, I got left out. So um, I was was kind of grateful that she visited me, you know, um, a week after her burial. And uh, that's my story. Uh, Very emotional. Thank you. Aloha. Goodbye.
1: Did she interact or was it a one-sided conversation with the shadow grandma?
2: I think it was probably a one-sided conversation because I have not heard of too many shadow people that talk.
1: I hope it was a shadow grandma.
2: Well, it sounded like, I mean, it sounded like it was her exact silhouette, you know, even sure. down to her hair.
1: Sure. And then sitting there and having a conversation. I guess the idea of sleeping in a room with a casket is foreign to a lot of us. I think it's probably a cultural thing in probably. some places where that's like a acceptable, normal thing to do. It would freak the hell out of me. I think it's been in some movies, hasn't it? <laughs> I think there's an episode of Frasier once, actually.
2: Oh, really? Where they
1: had... uh, Yeah, they were going somewhere and they had to stay at a a farmhouse and then they stayed in the living room and then the living room was the grandma's casket. The funeral was the next day and the man came in and wanted to say goodbye to his mom one more time and Frasier and his girlfriend anyway. Yeah. So, again, back to the living room.
2: Yep. There you you go. That's why.
1: That's why we don't have a living room. No. So, but uh, I I guess, you know... it sounds like you had a really good experience with it. I would have been freaked out. I don't think I could have been as calm to sit down and have a conversation and reminisce with Shadow Grandma.
2: No, I me think neither. I would have
1: been like, Shadow Grandma, I love you. Thanks for coming and saying hi.
2: Now it, go into the light.
1: Now go into the light, and I'll see you some other time. Yeah. I don't think I'd be, you know... Uh, I would, of course, ask for a butter cookie or lemon drops or something first, <laughs> but but I think that I, I don't think I would have been as brave as he was to sit there... And have that conversation. So, um, there you go. That wraps up uh, hour one of our Halloween special at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online, Real Ghost Stories from Real People. Next hour, and uh, on the uh, next cut that you can download uh, through uh, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, whatever it may be, uh, we are going to be talking with Oscar, the man behind the zombie ghost clown story from earlier in the year. We're going to talk about that story and many others. He is a great storyteller and you are in for another hour of creepy as hell ghost stories. Or as some folks enjoy when I say, freaky ass ghost stories. I like that too. There's a lot of freaky ass ghost stories to be had in uh, our number two. Please become an EPP. If you are not one yet, sign up on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. That supports the show, puts some wind in our sails and keeps our show alive. So if you like it, Please do that. At the very least, please subscribe. So Hour 2, on the way next, as soon as you download and press play from Real Ghost Stories Online.